It's always soccer in Philadelphia. For me, it's actually uh, somber in Philadelphia because uh, Chris Cornell, Roger Moore, I've lost two of two of my heroes, Dave Salem. Yeah. Were you a Soundgarden fan? Uh, not really. I mean, I liked a couple of their songs, but I, I wouldn't call those guys my heroes. But it, it, it is a tough Were you an audio, did you like audio, audio slave? <laughs> were, you, were you an audio slave person? I guess that was the one song, yeah. Yeah, they had a couple hits. Yeah. Uh, Roger Moore then, uh, who's like, well, it's strange because Roger Moore is like the total opposite of Chris Cornell. I'm sitting here telling people I lost two of my heroes. One of them's like a grunge rock and roller, and the other's like a... That Your interests are very varied. 90-year-old James Bond. Uh, That's good. Well, yeah, I was on vacation when I saw it. I missed the last two, uh, you know, Union, Union games, two more wins. Two more uh, wins. Woke up in South Beach on... Thursday morning or Friday morning, whatever it was, to see that Chris Cornell had died. And then a couple days later, I was in Key West, I think, when Roger Moore died. So that's the negative. But, uh, hey, you know, we're not going to talk about <laughs> negatives. We're going to talk about positives and the, and the Philadelphia Union. Your town, so many your wins. Four wins in a row. I'm kind of tired of all this winning. <laughs> well, they're back at 500, right? And have clawed their way back there. It was like uh, Trump in the campaign speech, remember? He was like, we're going to do so much winning. You're going to be sick and tired <laughs> of winning. That's so what I am with the union. It's he wasn't too much talking right about now. himself, though. He was talking about the, uh, the yeah, union. Yeah. Um, so you were there. I was not. I will uh, defer to you for your uh, opening, yeah. opening well, thoughts. Uh, I mean, two different games. Uh, the uh, win against Houston was nice. A lot of cool storylines out of that one. They won 2 nothing. Um, El Senio at the 10 was great. Uh, Fafa scored for the second time in as many games. Uh, the back line with another shutout. And then the Colorado game, they admitted they didn't have a great first half, uh, whether they were tired or or whatever, but they fell behind. And then they got fortunate in the second half, to be honest. There was a penalty and a very weird red card on uh, Caleb Calvert. And then Jim said after the game, you know, th- those are the kind of wins that they need when they don't play well, maybe get a couple bounces, and and they won. And now, yeah, they're 4-4-4. Four, four, and four. They're right back in the playoff mix. <laughs> so is this, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, they got Salt Lake on the weekend, and then they've got uh, New York City away, and that'll take them to 14 games and the first uh, little international break there. If I had told you in the beginning of the year, I don't even remember really what our predictions were, if, but if I told you that they were, uh, you know, a 500 team at this mark, was that kind of what we... Yeah, I mean, well, I think I, I think we always thought they'd kind of be hovering around that, like... Sixth or seventh Kind of fighting for, like, fifth yeah. or sixth place. I mean... But the East is wide open right now. I mean, they could finish anywhere between second, probably behind Toronto. But I don't think anyone is catching Toronto and and maybe like 10th. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a very wide open conference. It's a pretty good conference this year, too. So, I mean, if they win this week, which is very possible, it's a tough trip, obviously. But RSL hasn't been playing well. I think they've lost five of their last six, maybe. Yeah. So, they win that five in a row. I mean, you're, you're looking in a pretty good That's probably a record good that would stand forever for a very long time yeah um it's kind of sad that four wins in a row is a club record i think <laughs> i wasn't in there but i think some of the guys asked um ollie about it and he's like really four wins four <laughs> franchise wins. record well in mls when you you know a parody driven league sure and some things have to f- fall your way you know the schedule was kind to them they got houston at home in a midweek game uh houston was technically atop the western conference at that time um colorado they got who had played midweek in Chicago, who are also coming on a two-game road trip in Colorado, who doesn't happen to be that good this year. Against the Western Conference, they have four wins, and they lost to uh, to Portland at home. So 
they're getting points against the West, which they didn't do last year. I think they were pretty wretched against the Western Conference last year. But So that's one thing that's been going well for them. The schedule kind of lined up well. Uh, they're getting some of the breaks, the goofy right. ejection for Calvert. I, you know, and Connor Casey, which I predicted on Twitter before. <laughs> yeah, tell everybody. It's the highlight of my journalistic career. <laughs> I, I I should just retire. Uh, <laughs> no, I just I saw Connor Casey just like walking in, and I'd forgotten he was an assistant coach. Um, and then I saw him, and I remembered he got the card before, and it, and it's Connor Casey. Like we always joke about him, and I'm like, if you see a ref walking towards the the sideline uh, with the card. Uh, it's probably it's probably because uh, Connor Casey's here as a coach, and then he actually <laughs> did get ejected. Um, and then he, he kind of walked by Jim on his way out, and they both laughed. I asked Jim about it. I actually saw Jim Curtin on the playground on Sunday, the day after, after he led the Planets Little League team to a big win, which his son is on. <laughs> and, I, and I asked him what he said to Connor, and he just said they're both laughing really and i don't I, Girl, he got sent off at the yeah. last last time yeah. he was, he was i'm player. curious what connor said because connor like we do we do joke about him but he's actually like a very nice quiet guy right like we, yeah. yeah we didn't talk to him i don't think he's we not really talked to him yeah. a lot when when he was here um he was always quiet but he always had some some interesting things to say yeah you know, he wasn't the best quote of no all time, he wasn't but he but, would he would take his time and he'd actually think about what you're yeah. asking him but yeah he's gotten a few cards he, he got ejected and he seems to get screwed a lot. Like the ejection last year against Keegan was kind of a harsh foul. He was ejected <laughs> once in, in, in that Open Cup game. Do you remember yeah, at the Red uh, Bulls, like, like right after he came in behind? Yeah, Connor. He stepped on Connor Laid from behind. Yeah. Or something. yeah. So he, he's, he's had a few ejections, but he, he's not that kind of player. I'm not sure why I, I said it was going to happen. Or, but he came, well, it's you know, and it's funny too because I think he's kind of the product of he looks big. He is big, and he looks kind of mean or whatever. He does. So I think it's like a bald he, head. He kind of gets like these. Um, uh, you know, the, he does not get the benefit of the doubt when some of those I calls so. goes away. And now I can say, as a, a newly minted grade eight referee, I would never send somebody off for that. You would never send thing. Connor Casey. Well, no, not the Connor Casey thing, the Calvert thing. Oh, Calvert. I guess, well, let me clarify. I'm not saying that. I mean, what he did technically is is against the FIFA laws right. of the game. Like you, that is uh, punishable by a caution, right. right? But you you have to control the game to the point where it doesn't get to that. You know, I mean, it should have been corralled. He came off. Uh, the instructions should have, should have been explicitly stated. He should have blown the whistle and said, "Hey, stay off." You know, go to the other side or whatever. Instead of allowing it to even get to that point where the guy's walking back on the field and you're sent, you're giving him a second yellow and that much. I get it. Within the laws of the game, he didn't really. The ref really didn't do anything wrong. But if you manage it differently, then you, the teams yeah. are playing eleven v eleven, and it's that, not. You know. Yeah, and that's what Colorado said after the game. I was actually writing a piece on them on Caleb Calvert for MLS, and I was in the locker room. I couldn't get uh, Pablo because he didn't want to talk to the media. So he'll probably he'll probably be fine for that. I yeah. think. Um, and what do you Cal- think the fine is? And Caleb for didn't that. want to talk. It's probably like it two, might be a warning or a fine. <laughs> yeah. it's... <laughs> That's another thing we should ask Jim. I'm not sure if the fines are. What is the fine? That much, yeah. yeah. But uh, so yeah, I ended up talking to. Uh, I had to get uh, Doyle and and uh, Eric Miller. So I kind of asked them about the card, and they both said the same thing. They felt bad for the kid. He's young. He's like 20 years old, and they said that a ref in that situation could have just as easily, uh, like you said, just tell him, you know, like you can't do this. Go back um, and um, kind of enter through the middle mm-hmm. of the field, and then he they said with like 20,000 people there or like 18,000 people there. Like it's, it's hard to hear. Yeah. There's some confusion there, but 
He did work out for the it's union, the same, and, you know, it, and he did break the law. And it is a weird thing to come back from behind the goal. I've never seen anyone even try that. So I feel like even that's if you're 20, part of it you, you kind of know, you you know better. Well, sure. And that's a part of it that was kind of probably why the ref was like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and give it to him because that's a boneheaded thing to do. But even in that sense, like I've always, every game that I've refed so far, I've always just tried to make it a point to keep 11 people on the field if I can because you just don't want the game to turn into crap if it doesn't have to you know i know this is mls it's not 13 year olds uh you know <laughs> ysc or whoever i've been i've been reffing but you know i'm learning a little bit yeah more about that um but yeah the union were fortunate uh great free kick goal from harris yeah. um tim howard was pretty pissed about that uh cj sapong on, on the pk i guess he's their main pk taker now so he has eight on the season he's moving even closer to that yeah and that's surprising to, to me too I mean, were you surprised that he took that? Because he didn't. Guess, both of the penalties that well, he's taken Alberg, this year, he didn't. Alberg was taking them before. Um, in, yeah. So I guess with him out, he used to always be. Uh, who's taken them in the past? Oh, Bedoya took one that he missed this year. Well, two well, was taking them for like Latou. five straight yeah. years. So like he was always the guy who would charge the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now, yeah, I, I guess it's a little more open. But CJ, if he's he's made two in a row, so if he, if he takes, if he keeps taking them. So. The thing that's the question really is what's changed uh, during the winning streak, you know, four game winning streak, which if you want to say it's a six game unbeaten, you know, right? Um, the the number one thing, Jim did a really good article with uh, Adam Kahn uh, at Philly Soccer page. Adam, who's still in Lubbock, Texas, for some reason, it feels like he's been down is there he? like forever. Yeah, <laughs> he's been at Texas Tech ever since like 2010 or 2011. Oh, he's in college. Yeah, he's in college. But Adam, uh, for people who don't know, Adam played at uh, uh, Haver, um, I'm sorry, Haverford College. Is that what it is? Or no, he played at um, uh, Swarthmore. Did he play at Swarthmore? I'm, he, he played at a small local Something college. Something small. Here. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Adam. I fear less and I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But what I'm trying to say is that he was very, uh, he's always been very smart tactically. He's been my favorite. Um, yeah, he's smart. There aren't a lot of Philadelphia Union writers in general, nor are there a lot that write about tactics, but it's something I've always been interested in, and I think he knows a lot about it. Yeah. I uh, did a good story with Jim where they just talked about the tweaks that they made within the system. We all knew that they weren't going to change out of the 4-2-3-1, right? That was clearly established. Um, but they, they have made some subtle changes. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote about it the other day. Elsino and Alberg to the 10, Pontius to the right, Pico in, uh, the f- center backs dropping 10 yards deeper, mostly because they're a little bit slower. They've let up on the press a little bit. They talked about uh, keeping one fullback back. So basically what happens, and I know this is hard to describe on the radio, but imagine that Fabinho is bombing forward on the left and Ray Gaddis is the weak side fullback. He peels back and stays at home to create a three-man uh, back there. And a lot of, and Jim was talking about a lot of the times that they were getting caught on those things was when the fullbacks are up too high, one of the Keegan Rosenberg's issues that he's had uh, over the years, and also because they were getting hit on counters where they where the center backs would get dragged into the corners because they were just being put in positions that weren't good for them. So point being of all of that stuff, read Adam's article because it's worth it. Um, <laughs> but you know the, the point is that they've made they've made they did exactly what Ernie said that they were going to do, which is he and he told me straight up and when he, we had that scrum a couple weeks ago, he said, look, a lot of the times changes are names. Okay, and they yeah. change the names. They put more. They put different people in, and they have other people sitting on the bench. And that's something that Jim has been, hesitant, has been hesitant to do. In yeah, you got him credit. Too. He's made yeah. a lot of personnel yeah. moves. If you look at the back line last week, it was four guys you probably wouldn't have predicted would have played at all this season or have much of a role. You, you had mm-hmm. Gooch and Jack Elliott, who, who weren't like looked upon it as key players. You you had Gaddis 
um, who was a backup last year, and then you had uh, Giuliano to give him a start. His to give him his first so start. These are four guys. Yeah, yeah. In a situation where you still are looking at, I don't, know, I'm not gonna say it's a must win, but I mean, normally if you're on five game unbeaten streak, you're not gonna the, the Jim Curtin of the past would not have given yeah. a new yeah. left back his start in yeah. that game. Yeah. And I'm amazed that this back line has done so well. I'll be honest. I'll eat some crow, but. Like when they had all these guys playing and when they had Keegan and uh, Richie Marquez on the bench, who I know are big time players, they're future stars. I said, this isn't a good back line. And, and I was wrong, I guess that it's very organized. Um, Harrison and um, Ali, like in front of them are playing well, uh, Blake's playing better. So I'm not sure how, but this back line is really working right now. So they, you know, I went down to training on Wednesday, yesterday, we're recording on Thursday and, um, the second team was scrimmaging against Steele, and the defense was Keegan Rosenberry, Josh Yarrow, Richie, Richie Marquez, Marquez yeah. and Gileana Wynaldum. And, and I'm sitting there, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, that that, that looks like a starting group to me. Yeah. And maybe some people thought that it would be the starting group at this point in the year. But the problem, and I'm not, I promise, I'm not going negative here. So just hear me out. But we we all know that Aguchi Anye was not the future, right? 35, 35 years old, right. Okay, we're in agreement on I that. I could say that, okay. probably. And we can say that, that Fabinho, obviously we know he's on the wrong side of 30 right now. He's probably not the future two, three, four years We're both the on the wrong side of 32. Though, right, so. and I'm on the wrong side of 30, <laughs> and I'm feeling it. Um, but so, uh, you know, the, the dangerous thing here is that how does this scale for the future? You know, if Aguchi Anyewu and Ray Gaddis – and Jack Elliott and Fabinho keep everybody else, yeah. keep this young core off the field, then you're winning games in the short term and you're doing what you need to do to climb out of the rut. But that's that, that it wasn't really part of the plan. No, yeah, it you is know? a good question. It's a question I've actually been meaning to ask Jim, like what does this mean for Keegan, for Josh, for Richie? Because these are still probably your star players who you're going to build around mm-hmm. possibly for three, four or five years. So, I mean, it could be fine for them. They seem to be the kind of guys that will handle it well. I mean, they're not really giving Jim any shit for it, I don't think. Um, so, I mean, it, it, yeah. it could be fine. It could be something that's maybe like necessary, like a, a quick break, because those guys were playing a, a ton of minutes last year. Yeah. I'm um, Keegan and Richie. So it could be good. But, yeah, it's certainly a question that we have to ask, I guess. I think... You know, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but I think an ideal situation to kind of get yourself out of this is to, you know, say they go out to Salt Lake and they, uh, let's say they win, right? And they get three points there. I don't think they win at New York City. I think that's where the streak would end if it's still going, right? I think New York has too much firepower. It's different playing on that field too. And then you hit the two-week break and Josh Yarrow will be healthy. So maybe then you try Elliott and Yarrow on the 18th against Red Bull. Um, and then if you open win, cup too, there's an open cup game between those two New York games, I think. So, uh, oh yeah. yeah so they could try yeah, something new, get those guys back in. Well, Maybe, maybe that's where you do yeah. it. Then. I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, eventually I think we all know they're going to plateau just the law of averages and MLS parity says you're not the, the no team you don't think that Gooch and Elliot will <laughs> whether will it's never FC allow a goal it doesn't in the matter if it's season. FC Dallas or if it's nah. uh or if it's 1996 DC United you're not you're not going to win eight games in a row right so I think at some point they, they've resurfaced they've fought back to 500 now I think the best case scenario for them is that they're in a situation where they can justify getting that that core kind of back on the field and hoping that they they snap out of whatever funk they were in. And, and Richie Marcus to his credit I mean he just got sick 
know, he was he played in the zero zero draw yeah. at LA, so he was part of the the shutout streak. He started that off, and then Gooch came in against um, uh, or, uh what's it, Red Bull, I guess, right? So, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say. Uh, should we should we talk more about the attack with El Sino at the ten and with the uh, Fafa? Is the the winning streak really began when uh, Fafa was inserted in, into the lineup, and he he's been great, I think. And El Sino. At the 10, I, I wrote about him after the win over um, uh, Houston, and the teammates were praising him. Ali Bedoya said he told Jim Curtin that he thinks Elsino is kind of perfect in that role. Um, Harris said he's a real number 10, and it's weird because we ask Elsino, and he's like, I've played this like twice in my life, like, mm-hmm. in ten, and he's had a long professional career, so he's not that comfortable in it, but it does seem to work well. He's not like a great passer, but he's able to kind of make moves his ability to dribble yeah. yeah i think that pulls that moves defenders and whatnot and um you know the problem when he would do that on the wing is that okay maybe he would beat a fullback or he'd beat an outside midfielder but they used to have two center backs and a d-med stand in front of you now he's in a spot where his ability to pull people out of position is in a more um you know zone 14 is in a much more dangerous area you know so I think I see El- stuff being yeah. created from that. I think an Elsino Alberg platoon could be pretty good because these are guys who don't really play um um a full game anyway. So yeah. so, you, so you have one go sixty, one go thirty. They're both kind of similar players, and they're they're not going to do like too much. Like that's a great idea. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you know, I thought it was strange too because you know as high as Jim had been on Fabian Herbers, and this was another thing that I mentioned in the article that I wrote this week. But as high as Jim had been on. On Fabian this year, uh, you know, there was a couple games this year where Roland and Fabian were both healthy, and Fabian got two starts in a row at the number 10, uh, just out of preference. So I thought that when Alberg was out injured that we might see Herbers at the 10 instead of Ilcina. So that's another thing you have to give uh, Jim credit for is trying that because last year he wouldn't have, and the year before he wouldn't yeah. have because we all know how many games Andrew Wenger got to play out of his funk and Maurice <laughs> and Maurice do having to go back and plug a hole at center back two years in a row. Um you know, guys like uh, even going back to like 2013 or whatever. You know that John Hackworth trying to same the same midfield over and over and over again. So, <laughs> you know, it's it, 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 it is it's it's because of the depth, but it's also trust. You know, you have to have have trust in those guys too. So, I feel bad for um Herbers. Um, he he, he I finally got to start and then got hurt two to four the weeks first yeah. half. And I had written about him. Going. I had written a feature yeah. like Matt was making fun of me because I wrote about him like that day. Yeah, I did like a small story on him and um, Julian Gressel. They both went from Germany to the Big East mm-hmm. to MLS at mm-hmm. like the same age, same year. So, so Axel they, Axel so Schuberg as well. Yeah. So they assigned me. Yeah. yeah, they assigned me this article, and I talked to them both. They're, they're both really good quotes and had uh, cool things to say about guys from Germany, just like really wanting to play in college. So, uh, but then he got hurt. So <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's. It's a shame too, because he had also even off the bench too. He had been effective, you know, hitting that great cross um, in the uh, New York game, and then the goal, the goal he scored in DC. Whether he meant to do it or not, that was a top ten all time Union goal, I think. Yeah. Um, so they don't have too much on the wings right now. They were deeper on the wings when El Sino and Herbers were there, but now that Herbers is hurt and El Sino is more at the ten, they have Pontius and uh, Fafa getting the start. But mm-hmm. on the bench, it's like Epps right I guess now. I think. Yeah, so it's not as much on the bench, which is. Not a huge problem as long as uh, Fafa and Pontius don't get hurt. But. Well, it's interesting, too, because Ernie's signings now are playing a bigger role. Yeah. Uh, Fafa, Elsino, Wijnaldum getting a game. I mean, You're a fan of Fafa. He's brought some good energy to this club. Yeah, for I'm sure. Playing. And I think that what 
you know, the hesitation with starting anybody in Jim's system is that they have to understand the defensive roles first. If you go rewatch the Houston game, there are multiple times where I'm sorry, not the uh, uh, oh yeah, the Houston game, right? Where where uh, Fafa was being actively instructed by both Fabinho and Jim Curtin. This is where you need to be defensively. This is where you have to track back. This is where you need to stand. I mean, it's just as they don't put their wingers on the field until they understand the defensive roles that they have and the union ask more of their wingers defensively than probably any other team in the <laughs> in the league so but why in there uh he'll be back on the bench but they got him a game fafa's in there Elsino, alberg um it should be the same i wonder lineup. I, it makes me it wonder the same if, lineup this week at rsl with the exception of uh, fabi playing for, uh, for Giuliano. yeah i would think so too and that's what That'll i be fabi's 100th mls game Let's give him oh, yeah. props for playing 100. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean he's been he's obviously been a lot better. Um, but that's that's and I wonder you know I wonder what the conversations were like between Jim and Ernie Stewart behind the scenes. I want I do wonder if Ernie went to him and said, uh, you know, let's try putting some of my guys in here and yeah. see what happens. But admittedly, and I, I mean, fire you. they said yeah. that you know they said that Roland was not in shape and you'll see you know whatever. So yeah. Well, you know, it always took Connor Casey like five games just to even be, be ready to, to play at all. You know, so it's not like we haven't seen that before in Philly. More Connor Casey references. What? Uh, That's what else? how you know. What else it's you a got good on podcast. The, It uh, is a good, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to take questions? You want to talk about RSL a bit? Um, yeah, RSL they suck. Weird. Yeah, um, they suck, but they they were bet they're better now. Once Beckerman and uh, Nick Armando, they're both out for a bit during a four game losing streak, and then they yeah. came back and they had a pretty good week. They beat uh, New York City. And they were went to Seattle and only lost one nothing, which isn't a terrible. Yeah, Rusnak's always dangerous. Result, yeah. Mavsisian's not even like. Well, he's right now, so. he's pissed. Yeah. Uh, he, he basically he basically uh, went after the coach. Do you see that? And yeah, he's not playing. Well, I mean, uh, you know, they're in a situation now that's probably similar to Philly, where you're just trying to get out of it any way you can. Yeah. And then maybe things will level out and Mavsissi will be back on the field kind of in the same way we talked about the Union getting Marquez and Rosenberry and yeah. Fabian, or I'm sorry, yeah. Keegan back on, or uh, Yarrow back on there. So uh, I don't, I really have no idea if the thing, they've never won out there. Um, but they've but never they had beaten, the, I don't think they've ever beaten RSL, period. Mm, pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know they, even in 2011, they had the 1 1 draw. Yeah. Keon Daniels scored in that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do you know that? I can remember the 2011. The 2011 season was like the first like full season I covered, so I remember all those games like it was yesterday. I didn't. What's Ken Daniel like halfway these days? through 2010? Uh, he's playing in the second division in Poland, I think. Nice. Still, yeah. All right, you want to take some questions? Uh, sure. Yeah. What do we got there? Uh, Matt DeGeorge is talking about me being the uh, Ray Gaddis to his Keegan Rosenberry, <laughs> which is. What do you think? Uh, clearly, I should be Keegan in this, Matt. Come on. Um, <laughs> I'll be uh, uh, Richard the McGovern says football. Baxter for for co-host we should say Baxter was is, was not in the room I guess you prolonged his uh, one game suspension yeah, look when we went uh, on, when Sarah and I went on vacation we dropped him off at her parents house in Churchville and they have like a big backyard so Baxter was all like turned around and he was eating different food and chasing different squirrels and whatever so he woke up at like 1130 today and he's chasing different of, squirrels like when he got back like no, to... he well, no. I mean, his just his, you know, his routine was completely okay. different every single day. I don't think he knows where he is still. He sl- <laughs> he slept in this morning. Uh, Michael Markowitz wants to know what's up with uh, Charlie Davies. Can you release cut a player from an MLS squad and, and open up a roster spot, even if you're on the hook for 
uh, for the money. Yeah, if, if you're on the hook for the money, you can you can get rid of guys, right? Yeah, the reason that nobody that never happens is because no like MLS team has money to spend yeah. on just cutting a guy. Yeah. Same thing with Moa like, too. Like they're not gonna. Yeah. There's no wait till season's over. But Charlie Davies, yeah. Um, I guess there's not much else to say about him. Is I guess he's still behind Jay ncj on the adept chart i mean jim mentioned him a couple mm. weeks ago as playing better in practice but but he hasn't been sh- really been sharp in training i don't i don't think of a lot a lot oh i mean overall in general here let me take this one from rick okay. uh this is another one from mcgovern who loves dutch football and rick and i used to uh, used to do uh vuvuzela together um any lessons to be drawn re union plan under stewart from the europa final okay so what he's talking about is that uh, Ajax fielding the youngest team ever in a European Cup final, um, and they lost two nothing to Manchester United yesterday. I I have like kind of mixed feelings on the whole thing. First of all, Jose Mourinho, people want to say a lot of shit about him, but he wins, and I don't care how he wins, whether he parks the bus against a bunch of twenty year olds, whether he plays quote unquote negative or cynical football. <laughs> or he's an asshole, or anything like that, because he of that wins. word, cynical football. Yeah, he wins That's such a good British term. He wins trophies, and you know, I've always been consistent in saying that I think that you play to win the game. You know, that's why we're here. We're not here. I don't think the end goal of soccer or the Philadelphia Union is to produce twenty-year-olds to the first team or to develop players for the United States national team. It's to win trophies in Philadelphia, right? So a lot of people saying, well, Ajax is doing it, quote unquote, the right way. And they're playing the kids and they're not spending $250 million on Paul Pogba or whatever the hell. And that's all good and well. And it's a feel good story. I would love to see that team win a trophy and be successful. But, um, you know, you don't win anything for putting a bunch of kids on the field. You come in second place, and the team that spent more money, the team that had the better manager, the team that had the superstars, the team that played negative and cynically, they lifted the trophy and they qualified for the Champions League. And now, because they're playing in the Champions League, they can probably attract Antoine Griezmann or more superstars to play for that team. So I don't get as excited as everybody else does about youth development or about the Dutch model or about any of that stuff because none of that wins you a trophy, you know. A long-suffering Union fan or Philadelphia fan would be able to say, you know, I've watched the Eagles and the Phillies and the Flyers and the Sixers not win anything over the last however many years. You have the 2008 World Series. But that, it, for this market, that's what matters, yeah. you know, because well, this market doesn't have trophies. So maybe Ernie's message resonates a little bit more with another in another city or another fan base, but I don't really buy the Ajax thing as much as everybody else did. I think you want both, right? Like you want to balance uh, a winning team now with like good veterans uh, with the good um, youth academy. I mean, I, I like the model for like a youth academy. I think building, I think finding players in Philly and keeping them in Philly is a cool thing that other sports don't really have. Yeah. And, and you can kind of get behind those guys more because they're, they're from your city. Well, it's, um, cl- it's clear that what yeah. Ajax was missing yesterday was some veteran experience in a cup final. You know, they have Shona out there, um, Lasse Shona. But, I mean, beyond that, like, who who are... 
you know, if you had five, six, even seven players who were like young, athletic, you know, upstarts ready to play, but you added three or four veterans into the mix who could kind of lead those guys, then it's different. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I said, I've said before, I don't think you're ever going to win anything with 11 homegrown players on the field. I like the model just as much as anybody, but at some point, you know, money and superstars and Jose Mourinho are what, what wins you trophies, you know? Okay. Anyway. Um, Sorry, Rick. No, no it's, it's a good rant. I love your rants. That's what I come for. Um, Acarp, uh, which players do you think the Union will lose for the uh, Gold Cup? Will they be able to manage without them? So, so yeah, we haven't thought about that yet. Blake I and guess Bedoya. Blake and Bedoya. That's about would, it. would there be any others? I mean, sometimes they like other guys for Gold Cups. Like, I mean, Keegan, probably not anymore. Uh, Aponius. When's, a... when, when's the next qualifier? World uh, Cup qualifier? Uh, I should know this. Yeah, we should know that. Uh, I mean, it's not until... Uh, do they not play it until like September? Well, you got the conf- yeah, Biz. You got the Confederations Cup coming up yeah. in the summer, and then the Gold Cup. So the maybe Confederations it's not, Cup. Uh, they're yeah. getting four MLS refs, including uh, Mark Iger. How do you feel about that? Are they? Uh, he seems to ref better <laughs> in international <laughs> competition than he did yeah. the 2014 yeah. World Cup. Then he did like Greece versus somebody. He's the best talent in MLS. Yeah. Just kidding. That's who I guys as, hate as him, a man. young as a young referee. That's you look who up. I aspire to be. He has posters of Mark Geiger all over the wall right now. People, it's, people, it's very people, weird. People say people <laughs> in the uh, U U fourteen Bucks County League say that they got um, Kincaided. Yeah, um, Geigered. The real AD eighty eight uh, is Rosenberry going to earn his starting job back anytime soon, or is the sophomore slump going to last? It's hard to call it a sophomore slump at this point. He's just not playing. I mean, he yeah. he's come in late in games and has kind of brought some energy. It's been good. Uh, like I said, I think I think eventually he'll, he'll get it back. I can't see Gattis staying there the entire season. So yeah. it's just a matter of when. Um, Jared says, does Derek Jones strong U twenty World Cup force Jim to start him when he comes back from international duty? Um, no, no, it doesn't because Bedoya's. Yeah, yeah, it's Bedoya's position. Yeah, they're not messing with Harris and Bedoya right highest. now. Those two guys together. But he good. definitely reassumes the role of uh, Warren Craval off right, the bench, coming in late. Shutdown guy. Yeah, and Jones played another. Um, Have you watched any too. of this? What's up with these four a.m. games? Yeah, man? I and again going along with the IX thing, I can't get really excited about the U twenty World Cup, but it's nice to see Derek Derek play well, and I think we all know that. At some point, he's going to be an everyday player for the Philadelphia Union. It, does, it doesn't have to be right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of Jones, uh, uh, Doobie Brothers asked if he keeps playing well in the U-20 World Cup, so there are possibilities of the Union uh, kind of moving him or uh, selling him. or Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's too early to sell him. And, and that's – we go back to talking about they, they like these like young Philly guys, so I think they definitely want to build around him for the future. I can't – and he, it would the optics he's probably of, not worth he's the probably optics not worth of like much. selling Derek Jones would look really shitty, wouldn't they? They're one Philly guy. Like, like the like, first guy that we we got through yeah. the pipeline, we're gonna sell him yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't I don't think if you had if you got him to like uh you know five million dollars friggin' Tottenham or something, I don't <laughs> think I don't think Union fans would really really care too much. I think they'd yeah. see that as an ultimate success. Uh, Matt Thornton would love to hear about backline comparisons across the league. Uh, whether veteran overseas draft or value wins. wins. What is this question? Oh, I, no, I get I get what he's saying. Um, okay. Well, I mean, you look at the makeup of the union backlines. So, well, right now, I mean, you got Ray Gaddis, who was a late-round draft pick. Jack Elliott, who was a late-round draft pick. Gucciannewu, a veteran who signed off the scrap heap. Fabinho was a foreign signing. Uh, 
Probably a mishmash, right? I mean, the yeah. best. Who's the best central defender in the league right now? Is it Simon? The guys on Dallas. Had, Chad, Matt Hedges. Hedges and Zimmerman in Dallas, or um, Hedges, Zimmerman, Simon. Yeah, it's a really it's a mixed bag defensively. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Yeah, I think I think you. I mean, look, you got Jack Elliott, Burnbaum, Boswell. Damian Parinell is a foreign signing. Yeah, I think you see a lot of guys who come from different different yeah. backgrounds. I don't think there's a formula for that. Eric wrote, why don't they charge 5 to $10 for uh, U.S. Open Cup games to get more people there? I think they've done stuff in the past, like maybe free parking for those games, but I kind of like the Open Cup feel of only a few thousand people there. I feel like it's kind of weird. Sons of Ben did do weird things. They they take their shirts off. That's part of the charm. Part there. of the yeah. charm of it is that nobody shows up. There's dust storms, rain delays. It's easier to get out of there o- over time. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah. Open cup's fun. Uh, our, our our us doing the open cup is like the equivalent of the <laughs> Phillies beat writers doing a crappy like loss in like yeah. August. You know. Have our listeners heard the time we tried getting to an open cup game? In Boyd's and got stuck on the bridge in Philly. I don't think they have heard that. Story. And they couldn't get there. It was then... uh, <laughs> it was 20, 2013. And yeah. It was like the third. I was year driving in you, and there it was when there was construction on the Platte Bridge, and, and mm-hmm. there's only one lane, and there was an accident, and and no one could get past. Yeah. We were there for like over an hour, and like you tried, you like you like ran up to find the accident and take videos, and yeah. as soon as that happened, they like turned everyone around. Yeah. <laughs> to leave, we had to back. We back had to... up. We had to back up, and, and I had to back up. Is <laughs> And then but you weren't in the car, so I had to back up, like pull off somewhere, and you were like running across the bridge trying to find. We had to drive. Dave had to drive backwards, like yeah. a quarter mile down down the Platte Bridge, to, to get everybody to back up off of it because there's nowhere else to go. Some truck somehow rode up on the uh, barricade and like flipped over. I walked all the way across yeah. the bridge. There was like holes in the bridge that like led down to, to yeah. the river. I'm like, pretty sure I'm not supposed to be up here, but driving backwards for, for that way was one of the highlights. And then the union played like dog shit in that game. So we really didn't miss anything at all. Did we? Between me driving backwards on that bridge and that Connor Casey tweet, those are probably the two top moments of my life besides for my kids being born. This is a good question. Um, the union are getting results. If they come away uh, from the road trip with four or even six point to the booze stop, if not, when there, um, ha- have there been, booze? That, I don't, you I know don't think, the, I don't think the last two games are how many, booze. you know what? I got to call out some, some fans here, not anybody specifically, but there is a portion of the fan. Base not any of you guys listening, not anybody listening. <laughs> Cause we like you. Um, but there is a portion of the fan base that seems to, I mean, you know, Philly fans are knee jerk anyway, right? It just as soon as they get off the bandwagon, they'll be right back on, you know, well, Jim's winning four games in a row. Where are all the haters now? Well, you were probably just one of them. You know, we all know how Eagles fans are and whatever. So, uh, you know, the reality is that they're 500, right? Okay. So I think they are where we thought they were going to be. Uh, so I think you hit the reset button basically and see what happens from here. I think the booze probably have already stopped and if they haven't yeah, they should have i haven't heard many yeah. uh rich ells here's a good one in light of another free kick winner from that same spot which goal in, in union history at the link ppl talent has set off the wildest cheers uh, celebration um i think it's a cleberson goal right because that was late in the season they were fighting yeah. for that playoff spot at the time it looked like it was gonna be a draw they got a win i think it was the second to last game of the season hmm. That was What's the question? The loudest? The loudest, the, the celebration. Wildest uh, celebration. And wildest then, celebration I, that I can remember was uh, Roger Torres scoring yeah. against New York Red in 2011. Bulls, yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone mentioned to me during the last game the Danny Cruz brace at home against uh, Seattle. He scored like two rockets like in like minute five minutes. Yeah, minute yeah, that was yeah, cool. Yeah. And then this guy mentions the, the link too. So I guess that Farfin goal against 
man real madrid. Man, yeah, real madrid yeah. i mean that was a full stadium and it was a pretty nice goal so. yeah the, I, I, th- I would say the torres goal just because that seemed to be like the pinnacle of interest in the in a brand new team you know yeah um, like the interest was at its height at that point and Thierry Henry was still playing with red bull people saw it as a rivalry game or whatever and uh Roger scored like his first touch uh, of the ball. So, Alex M, who are the main leaders' voices in the uh, Union locker room this year? He has uh, Bedoya, and I think it is Bedoya. I think he's a very good captain. He's a good quote. I think he talks Harris, to media. Yeah, I think Harris Har- too. Yeah, probably Harris talks too. A lot, yeah. We hadn't talked to him as much this past week. He would talk a lot. And he's a good quote too. I really I liked his. Yeah. I, I wasn't there obviously, but I really liked his press conference yeah, after good. the Colorado game because he just he took it in his own direction and he said, "Well, first off, I want to talk about how." bad we played in the first half or whatever i mean that's mature kind of stuff that's not media training either that's going completely in the opposite direction him just telling it how it is so that's all that's always appreciated in yeah. a, town, a town like this you know i've been meaning to uh, write something on him like a 10 things feature just to kind of get to know him more so I, I think yeah i think he's a good leader um let's see uh davis russell who's an undervalued mls player that you think the team could trade for tommy mack tommy mack <laughs> they still like him up there though you he know really yeah well, what do they? What do they even need at this point? I mean, really, the number one thing that we've talked about the last couple of times on the podcast. I'll mention his name for the third straight week. Adam Maher would be my number one target. Everybody um, needs Tommy Mack, though. Every player, team man. in the entire world needs Tommy Mack. Where are you going to put him, though? Anywhere. He's Tommy yeah. Mack. Cold hero. Um, what was I just going to say? I can't remember. Oh, active like trade targets. I don't. Uh, is anybody really out of favor right now? I don't know. I'll come back to that one. Uh, what do we do with the healthy you do? I don't think we need to worry about that anytime soon. I don't, I just, yeah. Like I said yesterday, uh, and I wasn't trying to be an a-hole no, or whatever, but it's, we just there's no update. It's, you know? not, I don't know. it's not looking good. Stan says uh, the union lacking a natural 10 don't seem to be active enough in zone 14 to be sustainably dangerous in attack, true or false. What the hell is zone 14? Am I supposed to know this? Well, that's what I mentioned uh, two weeks ago. It's, it's the area right outside of the box, ideally where you want your number 10 to receive the ball, right? Mm. Um, I would say it's true they aren't getting enough touches in that area but they're they're creating attacks from the wings too and we talked earlier in the podcast about El Senio being able to run at people too and kind of uh move move defenders around I've long said that uh, zone 14 has always been a problem for this team once I get past that zone 14 hump it's, what uh, is your favorite? Gone. what's your favorite zone zone I mean I like zone one it's always good as and a center back and zone 100 yeah. <laughs> yeah as a goalkeeper he usually just stands in zone one for most of the game um i think that's it chris has Spina, the, uh, yeah, yeah has the west, there you go, west virginia has the west virginia right side of defense proven with nice. football <laughs> rules in morgantown i like that well it's always going to be uh the american football um that's your answer yeah Come west on. virginia did have some good Give products man. i mean jeff cameron went to west virginia for two years before he transferred to rhode island and um Jared Smith played for Toronto uh, for a year, and he scored a goal for them. Devin McTavish, who played for DC for a long time, he went to West Virginia. Ray Gaddis, Jack Elliott. Now, um, we 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 always had some interesting like foreign imports. We'd always get the, some interesting guys from like Australia, and New Zealand, and stuff. I think mean, there's two guys who are playing in the A League right now, but I could be wrong. So. Did you try walking on to that team ever? Nah, man, because uh, I was just focused on academics. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just focused on other stuff <laughs> at that point. I didn't really know. You know focused I, on burning couches and I drinking. Got, I kind of got out of soccer for a little bit. Ice. When I went to college, I got out of soccer for a little bit. I was more into basketball and football. But then when David Beckham uh, signed with the league in like 2006 or whatever, I got a little bit more. I started paying attention again. And then I moved back yeah, here. Da- David Beckham changing the minds of our youth. You got any more on there? I think that's it. Okay. Uh, do you want to make predictions? Was there 
did you want to talk about our podcast or oh yeah, yeah. We can, well i'll say uh i'll say uh one one in salt lake one one yeah i mean i guess their last two long trips they kind of when they left early that it was a scoreless draw in They've vancouver done well and in la so yeah. i'll say scoreless draw again. well i just yeah i don't know the law of averages just says that it's got to end at some point i'll say one one at uh at salt lake i'll say they lose two to one in new york city and that's where the unbeaten streak okay. is um yeah you know we wanted to t- yeah we wanted to talk a little bit a uh programming announcement as i think they would say on uh, wip from our sponsors but so a couple of weeks ago dave and i were actually just joking i think at the end of the pod and we were saying oh you know we make so much money as union writers or whatever the hell and we were joking about doing like a crowd funding thing or, or whatever and uh you know a couple of people actually uh messaged me a couple of dms and uh you know just mentions and stuff like that and said hey you know we we actually wouldn't mind putting some money towards it if we like it and it's a good product or whatever the hell so basically i thought it'd just be interesting to kind of get get some feedback from from you guys um on on how, how you feel about that on, on how you would feel about some kind of like gofundme or uh like patreon or something like that where we could kind of uh drum up a little bit of money for the podcast and basically come up with a plan for what what we would do with that money um and basically i think what we would do if people were interested uh, in donating was that we would i mean the first thing is that we would probably upgrade like the soundcloud subscription itunes subscription so we wouldn't have to delete the old tracks on there we could leave everything up uh, and archive everything and it would also give us better uh, monitoring of statistics to see who's listening from what platform uh what area what country stuff like that so it just kind of help us sort of streamline what we're doing um and give it give us some data that we could share with everybody for sure um the other thing i would do for sure is i would get i have like a little two by two microphone box in here now and i would upgrade that so we could have four microphones in here probably just upgrade the equipment too because dave right now is using like a sure sm 58 which is like used for live which i used for live music like 10 years ago so i just upgrade the equipment a little bit get like four microphones and your dog in licks here. the microphone a lot baxter so. licks it he bit through a cord um so we probably just upgrade the equipment i'd also probably try to get a landline in the studio here because uh you know i did the if you guys listen to the actually a lot of people listen to the one i did with simon a couple weeks ago so thanks for doing that and the audio quality wasn't bad but again that was me recording uh his landline through my cell phone so i would like to have a landline to landline connection so you know if i do expand it and do the podcast every week like we've been doing i can get guests on the phone that have a like a higher audio quality you know um and then whatever money is left over i would give to dave or matt to georgia whoever yeah, my kid needs diapers man. yeah because you got another a kid coming come in like yeah. a week and I, I mean these upgrades would all be going to my personal studio anyway so i would give you guys money for driving over here and you know spending gas money and and whatever but i mean basically that's if, if you know if we had some cash uh that's basically what we would spend it on so uh, we're not going to ask for anything right now but we thought we'd toss toss the idea out there and um you know see what everybody thought about it you know if it's if it's something that you would think you would be interested in, in doing it wouldn't be like a subscription thing or anything like that it would kind of just be like a one-time kind of uh fundraising thing to improve the podcast and make it better uh because the honest truth is that when we started doing this it was just sort of like we didn't really have any grand ideas or anything like that but i think it's been doing a lot better than we had thought would you would you agree with there that? are podcasting wars in philly now and, and we have to win there's the uh, tansy braze podcast there's the servetio <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta get right. to the top it is a cutthroat business so um but no i think i think i and here's the thing too i can't i don't know how many people listen on itunes and stitcher right now i know that on soundcloud we get like 600 to 700 listens 
per episode, which I think is pretty good for a soccer podcast. But not knowing what the iTunes numbers are, I mean, if you want to say it's similar, then we probably get like more than a thousand people to listen to every um, single pod, which is cool because that's not what we expected when we started this thing. But again, um, you know, send us an email or send us a DM or a mention or something and um, you know, give let, us your let money. Us, let kidding. us know what you think about that. Yeah. yeah nah, and the whole thing, cool. the whole thing is interesting, interesting <laughs> in general. Cause I know like, you know, a lot of people know like Derek Bodner um, who covers the Sixers. He, he went the independent route with that recently too. So that's kind of like a new thing that a lot of media people are um, exploring. But if you have any ideas on that, um, you know, again, we're not going to ask you for anything right now, but if it's something you think you might be doing, might be interested in doing or that it might work. Um, yeah. Give us a shout. Cause we'd like to hear, uh, what you guys have to say. So, yeah. Uh, final thoughts, Dave Zaitlin. Final thoughts. Uh, I guess we already did the prediction. Uh, w- uh, will the union ever lose again? I guess that's the only question we have to ask right now. And, you know, there's yeah. no way of knowing. Well, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play <laughs> us out with a clip from uh, one, of, one of my favorite movies, uh, "Live and Let Die," because I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the um, pod, Roger Moore was one of my my favorites. Actually, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit up here and tell you that Roger Moore was the best. James Bond of all time. I think most people would say that Sean Connery was the original and, and probably the best, but I, I always liked Roger Moore's humor and uh, charm and kind of dryness that he brought to it. And for a lot of generation X people, he was uh, the, their, their James Bond. Yeah, he was the longest serving James Bond. Actually. I think he did seven movies total. Uh, my favorites were spy who loved me live and let die. And uh, for your eyes only, he had some clunkers too. <laughs> like Moonraker was kind of shitty, but uh, one of my favorite clips is in Live and Let Die when he uh, there's a plane chase scene and there's an old lady sitting in the plane and he gets in uh, the plane with her unexpectedly. So I'll, I'll play you out with that. Kevin, Kevin and Dave. Kevin and Dave, it's always, it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thanks again, everybody, Thanks, guys. for listening. Good morning, you're... Uh... Mrs. Bell, you're not my instructor. Where's Mr. Bleeker? Indisposed. I'll be giving the lesson. What's on for today? Well, let's just wing it, shall we, Mrs. Bell?